the word evangelism might be a scary one for many of us. Maybe evangelism sounds to you like meeting strangers and taking them through some kind of a sales pitch. But for a gospel worker named Pam, evangelism isn't a sales pitch. It's hospitality, inviting people into her home. People like parties. I'll ask the question, what can I pray for you about? And then if they invite me back, I make sure I go. Because I want to be their friend. And if they don't become a believer, that's between them and God. I cannot change people, and I am not God. I've had to realize that. And if they're responsive, they'll say something. And if they're not, well, I have to let it go. Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples that the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help, right now on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. Last week, we began a conversation with Dave and Pam. For their security, we are only using their first names. They have a wealth of experience sharing the gospel in Central and Western Asia, as a part of Operation Mobilization. I know that conversation encouraged a lot of listeners. If Dave and Pam can share Christ in countries like Tajikistan, Pakistan, and Iran, surely we can share Christ right in our own neighborhoods. If you missed any of that conversation, you can hear it at vomradio.net or just find VOM Radio wherever you listen to podcasts. Dave and Pam are back again this week to finish our conversation and share more about what God is doing, including what's happening among the Rohingya people. This is a Muslim people group. Many have been forced out of Myanmar, which is primarily Buddhist, and a large number of Rohingya people are living in refugee camps in Bangladesh. In the middle of the suffering and the hardship in those camps, God is bringing about some good news. Here's some of what Dave has seen firsthand. It is the worst I've ever seen, and, and it's the largest refugee camp. And uh, unfortunately, they're caught, sort of caught in no man's land. They, they can't go back to Myanmar. Bangladesh doesn't really want them. What do you do? Uh, over the years, actually, the U.S. government and others have accepted some of them as refugees. So uh, uh, there, there are some hundreds of them here, not so many. But we've been providing food relief, uh, even in the midst of this COVID-19. Uh, I just got pictures and stories of this last week where our team was going out to, to refugees who had fallen through the cracks, who they were not a part of the food, refugee food relief system. And we're just giving out enough food to keep people going for a couple weeks. It's, it's simple. And our, our staff have been reaching out sensitively to share the gospel with Muslim uh, women, with the children, with men, people who want to know and are asking, so why are you here and why are you helping us? And we're having the opportunity to share something about the love of Christ. At the same time, our staff met some of the local Rohingya believers. Some of them had come to Christ when they were in Myanmar. Some have come to faith since they've come over. And so we had the privilege of meeting and sitting with a group of believers in their little 10 by 10 little house, you could call it, plastic roofs with strips of bamboo holding it. And we were talking with them and, and asked them, so, you know, how do you have fellowship or do, who do you know? And they said, well, basically, we wait till midnight when it's all quiet and everybody's asleep. Then we get 
our Bible out, and we have just one light bulb that's connected to a little solar power unit, and we read our Bible at night, and we pray quietly. But while we were there, a few hours after that visit, masked men with guns showed up and and started to threaten these believers, and they had to move to another camp. Our team continued to reach out, try to encourage them, meet with them one by one, and then about a month ago, uh, some of these ISIS type of extremists came with knives and swords and they just rampaged through. There was actually a little chapel they had set up as well and they kind of destroyed that, attacked them. And so almost 80 believers had to flee for their lives wow. and move to a different camp. Fortunately, a, a local Christian hospital was able to help him some and, and still were looking to, to come alongside them. So Christ is being proclaimed. There, there is a witness going out there, but it is, it is a huge challenge, and we just need prayer. God, give us wisdom, open doors. How do we continue to serve people there in that situation? And I wanted to add that during the days of coronavirus, you know, it's impacted the whole world. Many of our staff have been propelled into using the Internet you know, whether it's with Facebook to connect with people, whether they're in the camps. They may not have Facebook in the camps, but they can text. Mm-hmm. They can get on the Internet. Maybe they can download an app that's cheap in those countries to communicate with other people. But our staff use the telephone and texting and the Internet a lot to communicate with some of these poor people. And it works. It works. Yeah. <laughs> even even in a pandemic, God is not going to be stopped by a pandemic Pam, I want to ask you about ministry to Muslim women in particular, because, uh, you know, we see the pictures from the Middle East, we see the faces covered, or we see the heads covered, and it just, from looking on from the outside, it seems like, how would you ever approach someone if you can't even see their face? How how would you possibly build a relationship? How would you share the gospel? Talk a little bit about reaching Muslim women in particular. Well, I'm thinking of one lady in particular, and she had been learning how to become a better Muslim at one time in her life. And she was taught, you know, you have to cover up. You have to be covering up in a proper way to be accepted by God. This is what they're taught. And so then she met some Christians, and she was watching them, and she was all covered up. She was showing her face, but she had the scarf on Mm -hmm. And she was watching them. This is what she told me later. She was watching them. She goes, they've got something. I like what they got. So here she is studying from a, a woman religious teacher. And yet she meets these Christians. And then she sees that they had a children's Bible on their table. She was their tutor for the local language. So then she said to these Christians, she goes, um what is that book? <laughs> and they're all afraid. Oh, no. You know, what should I say? And, and they were foreigners. And so uh, they said, well, it's a, it's a Bible. It's about God. And she goes, well, can I have it? And they were like, well, I guess so. So they gave it to her. Well, to make a long story short, she gave her life to Christ later on. And it was uh, a journey for her, like for many people. But for her, it took a little longer. But she was seeking after the Lord, and the Holy Spirit was wooing her. Mm -hmm. So we never know where someone is at when they're fully clad. Another lady, she was also being, you know, a good Muslim, wearing everything over her head and so forth. And, of course, in her country where she lived, 
It was a law. You had to be covered up going outside. In her home, she did what she wanted. But uh, eventually, the Lord touched her and healed her, and she gave her life to Christ as well. And so we don't want to judge people with the outward appearance of how they're dressed because we don't know what God's doing in their heart. And in some places, when someone does become a believer from a Muslim background, the women uh, still do need to cover up because it's the law of the land. Right. And so in our countries here, I heard of two stories of two women also. They were trying to be very strict and how they thought they should dress so and so forth. And they were living in this country, in the USA. And eventually, people reached out to them. They tried not to let the garb push them off. And they reached out to them. And in the end, they gave their lives to Christ. So don't let the garb push you away. Yeah, to don't let it friend. scare you. Yeah, or, because underneath, they're like we are. And they're seeking for truth. Just like we are. Yep. I, I want to follow up on that because we have listeners here in the United States who interact with Muslims. They work with them. They go to school with them. They meet them in their cities. How would you advise American believers who who want to be a bridge, they want to help present Jesus, to kind of start that conversation? Because I think many of us are intimidated. You know, I haven't read the Quran enough to know what they believe. I don't know if I could answer their questions. Give me some advice about how to build that conversational bridge. I look at the world in a very simple way, because I'm a simple person, is that there's either people that don't know Jesus or they do know Jesus. And I think of those two categories. Okay, if they don't know Jesus, they're seeking, just like most people are. They're just looking in the wrong place. But I found with some of my friends, I just have them over to my house for a party. You know, whether it's for Christmas or Thanksgiving, you can pick the party, whatever you want to do, birthday parties, whatever. People like parties. And then if they invite me back, I make sure I go. Because I want to be their friend. Right. And if they don't become a believer, that's between them and God. I cannot change people, and I am not God. I've had to realize that, even though I would love for them to experience what I've experienced. But I know that's the work of the Holy Spirit. But I also try to share a little bit with them. Maybe I pray with them. What can I, I'll ask the question, what can I pray for you about? And, and if they're responsive, they'll say something. And if they're not, well, I have to let it go. Right. And there's many ways to start conversations. Hi, how are you? I went to a shop one day and I saw this lady. I don't know where she was from, but she had the garb on and she was a worker at this shop. And I was like, okay, I'll go over and start a conversation with her and ask for help. You know what? She was so happy after I asked her for help. Maybe people were shunning her. I don't know. Uh -huh. And so, and I was grateful for her help. And so I, there's many ways to think of being creative, how to reach out. But now I have someone in my neighborhood that just moved in up into Wisconsin in our little cul-de-sac area. And I need to go over and make friends with her. But she lives a few houses away. But I probably are just going to take some cookies over and say welcome to the welcome neighborhood. Welcome to the neighborhood. You know, somebody said, asked the question, why don't Muslims come to believe in Jesus? Why aren't they? And I'd say the number one reason is they've never heard actually the gospel. They've never really talked with Christians. So up in our area, we invited about 20 Iranians over for a barbecue one day. And when they came over, I, and these are you know, engineers, they got their PhDs, they've been working, they have good jobs. 
And I asked them, so have you ever been to what I call an American home before, somebody who, who grew up here? They said, no, you're the first ones who, who's invited us. They've been there six or seven years. And I, I've said to some of my friends, you know, the love language of the Middle East is hospitality. Uh-huh. And don't worry if you don't know everything about the Quran. Invite somebody over for a meal. Just people would love to, but they're afraid too. They don't know right. how to reach out. They don't know how to. Inv- so they sometimes will be afraid to invite us over. And, and it's an honor-shame culture. So showing the honor of inviting somebody over, it means so much. Besides just people feeling appreciated or, or welcomed. Right. And yeah, so I, I agree. It's not knowing how to debate or argue about Islam or any of that. It's And, and so many Muslims we know actually... Uh, I just say for uh, the Iranian context, um, when we were there visiting one time, we were talking to some young people in a in a park, and I shared my story of how I came to faith in Jesus. And then I asked them, "So, what do you believe in, about God?" And the response was, "I don't believe in God. I don't believe anything anymore. I don't believe in any religion." So a lot of people are struggling with belief in God and and lots of other issues. And do you know that we the first two books we translated and now have put on social media, and we're, we're putting it all over, available in Iran, is how do you overcome grief and trauma? And we're finding these books are being downloaded by the thousands as people are looking for, where's God in the midst of my loss and trauma and, the, and what's happening in our context? And those are bridges uh-huh. of, of, of just being honest about how God has met us and helped us in those areas. And it can, there's other bridges that we can use. Amen. We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Dave and Pam. They work with Operation Mobilization in West and Central Asia. Uh, two more questions for you, Dave and Pam. What, When you're discouraged, we talk about fear. We talked about, you know, there were weeks you just wanted to get on a plane and come home. When you're discouraged and, and down, how do you recharge your batteries? Or how do you get back up the next morning and, and stay in the country and keep going in the ministry? You know, sometimes we talk about the Christian life like we talk about, well, we need balance in our Christian life. And and you sort of, how are we going to keep on going for the long haul? And I like what somebody else wrote in a book uh, about spiritual rhythm. There's no such thing as the balanced Christian life. There's just life (laughs) and, and seasons come. Sometimes it can be springtime and there's life and there's the harvest time, and you see that in your ministry and, and working overseas. But there's other times winter comes, and it's just hard, and there's difficulties. And we've had those times, especially when you have friends, we've had that happen where they've been kidnapped or killed. And you're almost not really, really prepared for that. It sounds so simple, but still with the basics. You know, we're walking with Jesus, reading our Bibles. We're still praying you know, it's it's taking the time, and I, all I can say is the spiritual battle is very real. Those fiery darts come. There's times, I can remember one time waking up, and I'm in my just getting going for the day, and it was like a cloud around me, and I just felt, heard these voices saying, you just, just give up, just quit. This is just a waste of time. This is too difficult. Why are you doing this? And after about a few minutes, I'm sitting there looking and thinking, now, wait a second, where are all these voices coming from? And I literally, it was... I rebuke you in Jesus' name, and I'm, this is not what the Word of God says, and no, and I, I, and it just dispelled. So there is this aspect of, of spiritual warfare, I think. We stick with what the Word of God is, and 
I, I love what William Carey said once. He, you know, he said, what's your secret, William Carey? He said, well, I just can plot. I'm a plotter. And I, and I think that's true for both of us. God gives us the ability to just, where we put our hand to the plow. We don't always feel like going on. God meets us moment by moment. The future and what's going to happen tomorrow, I can't worry about it. God doesn't give me the grace for that. He gives me a grace just for today, for right now. And I can keep taking those steps forward, keep our eyes focused on what he's called us to do. Another time, too, when we had some bad news that we had to leave the country where we were living at that point. And we did go off to the mountains one day. And we were reading some scriptures. But God met us because we went out seeking for him. And we were supposed to leave in three days, but in the end, God gave us two weeks to get out of this country because God was moving us. Uh -huh. He was just using the <laughs> local authorities to move us on. <laughs> but, you know, we needed to spend time with him together. We're talking today on Voice of the Martyrs Radio with Dave and Pam. They work with Operation Mobilization in West and Central Asia. Operation Mobilization is one of our strategic partner ministries here at the Voice of the Martyrs. Last question. We always want to equip listeners to pray. Uh, we talk about your region. We talk about a, a variety of situations in Iran and Bangladesh and India and Pakistan and Tajikistan. How can we pray for the gospel work in your part of the world, in, in West and Central Asia, for the gospel work as a whole, for the Christians there, but also for those who are lost? How, how do we pray for them? I mean, for one thing, for sure, it's praying for the church, for leaders, for pastors, for believers, to not give in to fear, as we were just saying mm -hmm. that, that that's a battle that, that's there. And then, yeah, how can we do our be better to encourage and, and support them in any way we can? But I think that is a major prayer request is for the church and leaders in those areas. I would say pray for protection and that they'd be attentive to the voice of the Holy Spirit as he leads them to reach out to someone, uh, that they remain healthy and safe. Uh, and, well, we talked about taking risk earlier, but it is important that we want people to be safe too right. as they're taking risk. Mm -hmm. So I think prayer for faithfulness, that they will, will remain faithful in the midst of what they're facing. And um, some believers face really difficult things and other people, they're okay. They're just living the average life of wanting to see their kids get educated, keep them healthy, keep them safe, keep them well-fed, uh, pray for provision. I pray for the governments. I mean, mm -hmm. that, that's the great thing about reading the New Testament, the book of Acts. You Here's a person from Caesar's household or the head of Herod's management of her, his house. And I think praying for the government, because God can continue to break through in ways that we don't know, and, and we want to see those breakthroughs, because if, if he can touch the heart of some official in Tajikistan or Kazakhstan or Iran, it can influence how the persecution goes or doesn't go towards the church there. And I, I just recently had, had talked to one pastor who used to be, actually it was in Iran, and I asked him once, I said, so, you know, do you ever think about leaving here because, you know, you're being taken for interrogation, you're being threatened? And, and he looked at me and he said, you know, that's the wrong question. He said, we shouldn't run from suffering. We should embrace it. It's part of following Jesus. Uh, and he said, how could I leave at a time like this? 
Then he told me the other day, I got a phone call from one of my church members, and they said, Pastor, can you come over? I have uh, There's a man who has questions we don't know how to answer. So he said, sure, I'll come over. And he came over, and they had this wonderful meal. And for three or four hours, he answered this uh, older gentleman's questions about Christ. And then he turned and he said, okay, I'm ready. And he, he prayed, received Christ as a Savior. Then he looked at my friend, uh, Pastor, and he said, by the way, did they tell you who I am? And he said, no. And then it turns out here he is, senior military official in the secret police. Wow. And, and he has just turned his life over to Jesus. And that is the story we hear over and over. So we want to pray for the government. So many people are searching. They are, they are looking. I would say to the question about how to pray for the lost is that God will guide them to resources on the internet or on television because there's a lot of people that don't know where to seek. Just pray that they will respond to the light that is given to them, I think is really important. Because some people have a vague sense that there's a being out there, but then there's some people that are total atheists. Mm -hmm. They just don't care what is life about, it's done me wrong, I don't care anymore. We could pray that God will put a caring factor into their heart, that then they're responding to the leading of the Holy Spirit. So there's people there with questions, but there's a lot of people that are just fed up with life, and they are very discouraged and depressed. Maybe they've gone through heartaches of family difficulties or someone's died of a drug addiction problem, and people are hurting. And so... I think praying for the lost, we just pray, oh, Lord, help them to see you as you are, wherever they may be in their walk on this earth. Because God can show up. He can Amen. show up. Absolutely. And we hear the stories of how he does. <laughs> and I think that prayer Jesus said, please, that we pray the Lord of the harvest Amen. for workers. So that is yeah. always a, a major prayer request. Lord, raise up more national leaders, raise up international staff. Let's pray for those workers still coming out of Latin America or China or all those places. But Lord of the harvest, thrust out the laborers into the harvest. And as we talked about in, in your part of the world, three gospel workers per million Muslims. So there's lots of work to be done. There's lots of room for you if you're listening and God is knocking on your heart. There is room. They're, they're, they are ready to put you to work in that part of the world. I would love to hear from you. If, if God is calling you to missions, you can go to vomradio.net. Send me a note. I love to hear from people who say listening to VOM Radio was part of God's way of calling me to go, calling me to serve. I also want to encourage you this week to pray specifically for Muslims in Central and Western Asia. We've talked about them today. Dave and Pam, thank you so much for sharing your story. Your passion comes through, and uh, thank you for your work on behalf of the kingdom and for being with us on Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Thank you so much. We appreciate Voice of the Martyrs so much. We love, we love the ministry vision here and, and a partnership. We, we just are thrilled to be here with you today. Thanks. And it's our pleasure. If you've enjoyed this conversation with Dave and Pam here on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio, I hope you'll share the conversation with someone else. You can visit vomradio.net and find today's program and share a link with a friend who needs to be encouraged or a friend who's interested in missions and ministry. You'll also find in the show notes for this week a link to all the VOM resources for the International Day of Prayer for Persecuted Christians. This is a significant, special day on the church calendar. 
Traditionally, it's the first Sunday in November. However, with the election this year, many churches will choose the second Sunday or even the third Sunday. But I hope every single church in the month of November will pray for our persecuted brothers and sisters. You know, when we ask them, how can we help you? What can American Christians do for you? The first thing they ask us to do is pray for them. And so the International Day of Prayer for Persecuted Christians is a key part of answering their requests. We have all kinds of resources. We have a video. We have a church bulletin insert that you can download. We have PowerPoint slides with specific prayer requests. We'll give you a link to all those resources when you visit us at vomradio.net. You can also go directly to the main Voice of the Martyrs webpage, persecution.com, persecution.com. I hope that every single church will commit to a time of prayer for our persecuted brothers and sisters during the month of November. You know, the term Jesus freak was originally coined as an insult, but it's actually a compliment. You'll find out why next week right here on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.